Like movies, you'll love Inglorious Trexperts, the new Star Trek podcast from the creators of the 430 movie. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, hey, this is Chase Masters and host of Disco Nights inviting you to join us every Sunday as the disco party continues with our fabulous guests. Like us. Like us. Like you. And you, our audience. So we'll see you here next Sunday night. Bring your disco shoes. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by Jodorowsky's Dune producer Steve Scarlatta and Josh Miller, where they explore some of the greatest movies that were never made, from E.T. 2 to Tim Burton's Superman, Night Skies to Star Trek The Academy Years. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. The 430 movie will be back with all new episodes and theme weeks for Season 2 this spring. But for now, we hope you'll enjoy this special encore presentation from our first season. This is a special encore presentation of Seven Days of 007 Week. That's right, we couldn't fit it in our standard five days, so we expanded the week to seven days. We were still finding the show, and boy, did we have a lot of fun during James Bond Week. You know, there was not, you know, we we disagreed pretty vehemently on the Living Daylights, and of course, there's so many great Bond movies uh, that didn't make the cut. Um, boy, I could do 25 days of, of, of 007 uh, if, if, if put to the test. Um, but I think it, it's super enjoyable. It's great to revisit this week. I, I really you know, enjoyed uh, the, the 007 week. And if you're a James Bond fan, I think this is required reading at the Academy. So um, without any further ado, enjoy the special encore presentation of Seven Days of 007 Week. And please, if you think we got it right or wrong, don't forget to engage with us on social media at Twitter, 430 Movie, or um, at Facebook, The 430 Movie. And of course, we'll be back with all new episodes of The 430 Movie Season 2 this spring. So stay tuned. The 430 Movie hosts will return. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you never saw and get reacquainted with some old classics. Now, on the 430 movie, we take over the vertical and the horizontal and put together our dream theme weeks that you could watch at home and relive the glory days of the 430 movie. Welcome to James Bond Week on the 430 movie. (laughs) Steve Melching? Hello there. Steve is, of course, a writer for such shows as Transformers Prime, X-Men the Animated Series, Star Wars Rebels, and the upcoming Star Wars Resistance. Sitting next to him is a returning panelist and still champion, Darren Docterman, (laughs) a uh, conceptual artist on such movies as Chronicles of Riddick, um, recently finished uh, season two of Westworld, and was the visual effects supervisor on Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's Edition. Yes, greetings. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, last do but we, not, do we each have to Im- Im- do an impersonation yes. of a different yeah. Bond for yes. this? I expect you. Do you expect me to talk? <laughs> um, oh, and sitting next to me is Ashley Edward Miller, and he is a writer for film and television. His credits include X Men: First Class. Uh, Red Sonia, the upcoming Red Sonia. I have Batman 66 right here. (laughs) He did not write Batman 66, but he did write Thor and uh, worked on uh, Black Sails and the upcoming season two of Lore on Amazon. And, of course, I'm Mark A. Altman, a former writer-producer for such shows as 
Agent X, Castle, and the Librarians, and uh, am author of the new book, So Say We All, An Oral History of Battlestar Galactica. By the uh, way, hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Ashley. Howard. Good to see How are you. you, Mark. Let the man speak. <laughs> and of course I am. <laughs> welcome to our fantasy theme week, uh, 430 movie, where we program. All five days for you, so you so don't, you have, don't to. have to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and today, we're telling. This is a big one. This this is the big one. The 007. ones that started it all, Doctor No. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, you joke. John Connery is James Bond, 007. But it is a little schizophrenic because, of course, no one associates James Bond with the 430 movie. Those of us who are old enough to remember associate uh, James Bond with the ABC Sunday Night right. movie. Right. Where Ernie Anderson would say, That's yeah, right. the, the one that started it all. Yeah. Sean Connery is James Bond, 007, in Dr. No. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, that was Go how many of us were it. really first introduced to uh, James Bond. That's correct. I, yes, that, that's true. And those, you know, those of us uh, geeks of a certain age, uh, were growing up before the advent of home video. Um, that was the only chance we got to see yeah, them. So unless they, you were seeing a so current release James correct. Bond film, you had to watch it on the Sunday night movie. Well, before we get to uh, programming our five days of 007, uh, I want to ask you, what was the first James Bond movie either you saw in a theater or or saw, if you remember, on television? What was that that seminal, that first movie that was sort of uh, the, your first James Bond movie? I feel like my first James Bond movie was The Spy Who Loved Me. Although there's a there is an excellent chance it was actually Live and Let Die on the Sunday night movie on ABC. Mm-hmm. Um an angel keeps getting its wings. No. Uh, no, I mean, but yeah, I think The Spy Who Loved Me was probably my first. So my first exposure to Bond was Roger Moore. I had no idea who this Scottish cat was uh, for a while. And then I went, wait a minute. When I finally saw, uh, you know, Thunderball, when that came on, I was like, wait a minute, who's this guy? Where's Roger Moore? Well, a, a, a favorite family story that I have is that uh, uh, on the uh, night of... Uh, July 1st, 1967, my mom and dad went to the movies to see the just-released um, uh, You Only Live Twice. Were you conceived in that theater? No. <laughs> <laughs> but my mom's water broke right at the end credits. So, yeah, that was my first James Bond movie that I was at. <laughs> um, I can but... see the head, and the head wants to stay for the right, credits. Right. <laughs> but, the... <laughs> but the first one I actually saw and remembered... In a theater was uh, Goldfinger, and I think I saw it at USC. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Well, I my first Bond movie was um, The Man with the Golden Gun, Oof. and it's amazing I ever wanted to watch yeah. another. That's right. Um, and I, but I have to say that was my gateway drug. I mean, yeah, yeah. Now it's probably one of my least favorite Bond movies, but at the time I was enraptured by this world of Bond, and of course, at that point. Uh, watch them religiously whenever they were on the ABC Sunday Night Movie. But it, um, I, you know, I sometimes I joke. I said my first Bond movie was North by Northwest, mm, uh, right. which in a way it was because I saw that before Man with the Golden Gun. But um, I did then uh, see uh, Spy Love Me in a theater in Valley Stream, Long Island, and then if there was any doubt that you know James Bond was my my jam, 
uh, that erased it because <laughs> Spy Love Me is 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 the apex, the zenith of uh, of Roger Moore's uh, uh, tenure with the franchise. Absolutely. So uh, um, uh, yeah. the first one that I saw that I remember seeing in a movie theater was one that at the time I was embarrassed to say the title of out loud. Octopus. <laughs> Octopus. <laughs> It wasn't called Octavagina. Uh, oh, I was well acquainted hey with Bond prior to that. I, I can't recall which was the first film I saw, but I had definitely been watching them on television, and I had read a bunch of the Ian Fleming novels you know, the couple years before Octopussy came out. So, But I, I remember it, I was super excited to see my first new James Bond movie in a movie theater, uh, and it was it was Octopussy, which I, is actually one of my favorite Roger Moore uh, Bond films. Hmm. Um, well, look, here's the thing. <laughs> what are the criteria? Because our, when we program five days of 007, is it just the best Bond movies? Are we going to try and give each Bond uh, a, a each moment? Bond uh, give each Bond his day? I think we're... Chronological? I think that the problem is that uh, we may have to pick one movie from each Bond. Mm. If we're going to be fair, but I don't think we necessarily need to be fair. <laughs> I agree with that. Like for me, I don't feel, and regardless of how you feel about Timothy Dalton, that Living Daylights or License to Kill makes the cut of five Bond movies. If you right. have to narrow right. twenty-four Bond movies, and if you can include Casino Royale and Never Say right. Never Again, right. it's twenty-six. Why should we arbitrarily say, well, we have to include yeah, Living right. Daylights or License to Kill? The only reason you do that, I, I think, and, and by the way, I agree with you, but I think the only reason why you would do that is so that if somebody watched The Living Daylights, they realized, wow, you know what? Dalton was actually a really great Bond. I and, agree. And could have yeah. done some really great Bond films. Right. Um, but sadly, then he did License to Kill. Well, you, let, let's give Dalton his day, his due, at least in conversation, if we don't program his films, because I'm a big fan of The Living Daylight. Yeah, me so too. I think it's terrific. And I, I would, I, you know, I don't know if it does make the cut of the five best Bond films of all of them, but I really love it. Well, we again, we, we, we haven't established this is necessarily the best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we haven't most. established yeah. that this is... You know, look, I mean, I could easily throw Moonraker in, except that it's disqualified because we included it in the Shadow of Star Wars a few also, weeks ago. Also, you'd be beaten to death. That's and that, that too. And I, <laughs> I would make the case that it should be included among uh, whatever criteria we use, five Bond movies, you know, whether we're, we're considering it the best or the most enjoyable or the most whatever. Um and then, you know, like I said, there's still Casino Royale 67. There is still Never Say Never Again. You could argue that the Ipcris file belongs in a Bond week, Harry Palmer. Except it doesn't have James Bond in it. <laughs> Other than that. You could make that case. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, Operation Kid Brother, which is Neil Connery. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, so there Agent are. Agent Cody Banks. Uh, Agent Cody Banks, which you wrote. Uh, he you, said, you shameless wrote. plug, residuals. Thanks, kids. Uh, <laughs> so um, there are, Cuso. you know, this is a much bigger conversation. Um, it's much, much bigger. But I think maybe the way to do it is just to do what we normally do, which is give everyone a chance. Uh, uh, to, to speak for a different day and then we can just argue whether or not we feel that's an appropriate suggestion. So Darren, I, I think you haven't gone first yet. Thank so you. So let's uh, give Darren the first pick, first I, draw. I am going to vote for my favorite James Bond film uh, which is From Russia With Love. Great choice. Excellent Because choice. I think not only is it my favorite uh, uh, my favorite Sean Connery film but 
also in my mind because I've read all of the Fleming novels. I think it's it's the most connected to the Fleming novels of mm-hmm. all of them, mm-hmm. um, except for he the, doesn't die at the end. Except for the part that he doesn't <laughs> die at the end, right? Um, which he does in the book. For those who haven't read the book, um, it's uh, it's so pure in its uh, in its intent that this is. This is spy games. This is, you know, uh, it's it's country against country, toe to toe against the Ruskies. Exactly, and it's it's uh, it's so much. Well, I mean, they toned down the Russian sort of uh, intrigue in it that is totally in the book, but they toned it down with making it Spectre. You know, they, they they made it Spectre. Well, they were so smart because they didn't want these to become Cold War exactly. and date the movies. Exactly. And then, of course, you know, Kevin McClory had this great idea for Spectre. Right. That, uh, but that's a whole other story. But I, I think that the 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 tone of it, the the portrayal of Bond is is completely within the realm of the books, and he's uh, he's still dashing and adventurous, and we get to see all these amazing locations, you know, Santa Sofia in in Turkey and uh, and uh, you know in uh, Venice and all this wonderful you know wonderful locales, and it to me is the purest of the Bond films. Because it doesn't get into all the sort of science fictiony kind of uh, you know big giant villain kind of thing. You know, it's so funny. I, 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 a, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I think it's probably my favorite Bond movie as well. It's certainly one of them. But uh, what, what a testament to that is the fact that they still use that scene in the stateroom between Tatiana Romanova and Bond to test Bonds because you know over the years uh, when Sean threatened to leave or Roger, mm-hmm. they would do these uh, these tests, these screen mm-hmm. tests with right. actors. And it was always the scene from from Russia with Love. That right. is sort of the template, the benchmark of, of of Bond. And so over the years you see like James Brolin and, and, and Michael Billington and all these people that were up for the role, you know, uh, doing that, that scene. Uh, Pierce did it, I think, I believe. So um, it, it's, very, it's very interesting and it's just such a terrific... Uh, terrific movie. I love Daniela Bianchi mm-hmm. as Tatiana Romanova. Rosa Klebb uh, uh, is just Latalenia is 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 amazing as uh, uh, one of the great hench people in the Bond uh, films. Uh, of course, it also to me is is one of my favorite that and Thunderball depictions of Blofeld. I always thought he was better when he was mysterious, petting mm-hmm. the cat behind the windows with just that da- dark ominous voice of Anthony Dawson. Um, and uh, it's just there's so much to love. About uh, from Russia with love, and um, I completely and it's short. It's not a long film. Right. Uh, it just it does so many things. Uh, and Robert Shaw is just Robert Shaw is perfect. And tying together the whole room. <laughs> Let this one bake your noodle just a little okay. bit. Okay. <laughs> so Robert Shaw uh, was one of the inspirations for the character Sebastian Shaw, who was the leader of the Hellfire Club, that figured prominently. Um, in the 2011 superhero opus X-Men Not to be First confused Class. with the actor who portrayed Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> right. <laughs> Take um, this which mask was not off. Christensen. Let right. me look now, at you with my own here's, eyes. Here's where it gets better. In 1975, Robert Shaw fights Jaws. Two years later, Roger Moore's James Bond in The Spy Who Loved Me fights you're, Jaws. You're blowing my mind here. <laughs> it's a conspiracy, man. <laughs> it's all connected, Time baby. It's a flat circle. <laughs> you know what we got to do? We got to do War Week on the 430 movie. We can do like Apocalypse Now and Platoon and From Here to Eternity and never mind. 
I'm getting off topic. <laughs> there you go. Sorry. So anyway, anyway Monday, Monday from Russia with Love. Yes. And it's great. a great film. And I love the tone of it. Um, to me, that movie uh, encapsulates everything that I love about a James Bond film. So we all agreed from Russia with Love kicks us off, starts us off. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 uh, no, no descending votes. No descending <laughs> votes. Um, Steve Melching, Tuesday. Oh, boy. This, there are just so many of these Bond films that I love. And, and, you know, two or three of them are also from the Sean Connery years. So I'm loath to go to the Connery well again so soon. So perhaps I will skip ahead. Um, to George Lazenby's outing, soul outing as James Bond in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, um, which I think is one of the best overall Bond films. Um, It has a, a wonderful emotional story for Bond where he, you know, falls in love. He's, you know, uh, goes on this mission in high in the Alps to uncover this plot by Blofeld. Um, he's in league with a crime lord, the father. Gabriel of the, Frizzetti. Uh, has, yeah, the uh, father of the woman he's fallen in love with. It's just amazing. And it, feature, it has a terrific score. Um, it doesn't have a traditional theme song like so many of the great Bond films have iconic theme songs like For Marshall with Love or Goldfinger or you know uh, uh, you only but that twice. John Barry main title which is an instrumental is freaking it's amazing. a great title sequence I love the score the, that theme music um, and the cinematography is and location work is yeah, wonderful yeah Michael man. Reed's uh, cinematography is, is gorgeous and the, the stunt work with the, the stunt driving and the ski the stuff with the skiing is is terrific um, I, I just think it's it's hard to beat, you know, overall. I think it's a terrific uh, Bond entry. And, and one that's maybe not as well known, uh, kind of falls through the cracks often since uh, Lazenby only did, you know, one, one film. film as Bond. And P.S., that ending. Yes. It's so shocking. It is so sad um, and awesome and, and well done. And it both comes out of nowhere, but it's also perfectly expected and um in the best way what do they say you know the best writing is you know inevitable but surprising <laughs> exactly um uh, just terrific that uh, that's a, i think a really fine choice uh technically if if this was a real um uh uh, uh show we'd have a problem because it's two and a half hour movie it it would not fit in our time slot uh but of course this is our fantasy league that you can watch at home so uh the hell with that it's (laughs) tuesday and uh i will say that uh it's interesting because i'm not sure how many people wear this when when abc first bought the rights to the bond movies it was problematic what they were going to do with this one because of the um uh the, the length and two, because it was the least, you know, sort of least popular Bond movie at the time before the sort of critical revisionism kicked in. So they recut the movie so it didn't start slow. And it starts where they're already at Piz Gloria and they brought in an actor to do a voiceover. Hmm. And it's told, uh-huh. it's like the opposite of Blade Runner with Harrison Ford. So instead of Harrison Ford uh, narration being taken out, ABC created this Frankenstein cut with this James Bond narration that wasn't. Lazenby narrating the movie and recutting it non-linear 
not linear, not, not, not linearly. linearly. Um, and in order to try and create some excitement to keep people watching it and to break it into two parts. And um, sadly, that's never been put on home video. Wow, that's there, really interesting. I, I did not know I that. think you can find snippets on YouTube. It's either been recreated or um, we, it's a fascinating – I mean, it's awful, but it's fascinating. Well, one sort of drawback with this film, one thing that it never – it always kind of bothered me, but uh, Mark and I had an opportunity to see this film on the big screen recently – and it really stood out watching it on a big screen is the terrible dubbing that they did of Lazenby when he's undercover as, as George the, Baker from the yeah. College of Arms. And right. it's so uh, I mean, it was always weird watching it on, the, you know, on TV, but seeing it projected on a 60 foot screen, it was so obvious that it was not Lazenby speaking. And the voice seems to be coming from his kilt. Yeah. Which is odd. And yeah. a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> An interesting movie. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, like the reason for doing that clearly was they knew that George was not you know, a brilliant actor. And they figured, OK, here we got us 20 minutes of the movie where we can have a real actor uh, uh, do his lines. But it's it's problematic. Um, it's definitely it's definitely problem. But I, I think a fantastic choice because part of the you know idea of the 430 movie is to introduce fans to uh, movies they may not be as familiar with. And this is a movie that absolutely should be discovered by people who are maybe you know start watching them with the Daniel Craig. Because yeah, the Daniel Craig movies own a lot Craig, to right? it. Oh, a lot yeah. to uh, Our Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daniel Craig is uh, that era really harken back to more personal stories for James Bond rather mm. than and and more sort of continuity with James Bond rather than each movie having a new Bond girl and, and it's sort of a re, you know an emotional reset for Bond every yeah, time. Yeah, that's a great that's a great choice. Uh, for Wednesday, I'm going to go with. Um, I think we we had a Sean, we've had a George. I'm gonna I'm gonna I think that Roger, having done the most amount of movies, should be represented. Representation matters. I don't know if any of his um, films were, would be among the best, but he's certainly one of the well, most. Well, hold on a second. I, I I disagree. Right. Okay. Uh, I I I put into contention for Wednesday, <laughs> which I do think is among the best. Um, Spy Love Me. Spy Love Me is 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 Rogers, uh, you know he he admits it's his best movie. Um, you know a lot of people, a lot of critical revisionism said, oh, for your eyes only, uh, you know, took James Bond back to Earth. It harkens back to From Russia with Love and the classic Bond movies. It, it, it it's 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 not. It's not that. It's 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 adequate at best. <laughs> Spy Love Me has everything you want from a Bond movie and more. It's Bond and beyond. And, um, you know, you got to remember, it, it, they were, you know, at the time, Live and Let Die and Golden, uh, Man with the Golden Gun were released a year apart. This was back when they were still doing Bond movies, that came, you know, one a year. Because if you look at Dr. No from Russia with Love and Goldfinger, those were done, one, there was one a year. Then it started becoming two years, three years. Um, now it's like 16 years between <laughs> Bond movies. But... Um, uh, so after Golden Gun and Saltzman sold his shares to UA, they, you know, the grosses were down. It was a terrible movie. They were like, well, you know, what are we going to do? And and basically, you know, Cubby, rather than retrenching and going the way of the Planet of the Apes movies, you know, where you end up with Battle Beyond the Star, Battle Beyond the Star, Battle mm -hmm. for the Planet of the Apes, which looks like it costs six cents by the time you get to the end of the series. You know, they lavish all this money on it. It's huge in scope. It has great gadgets like the submarine car. It has the most memorable opening teaser of any of the Bond movies with the ski scene and the parachute jump. That is still uh, one of the best 
done. Um, yeah, for sure. It has a mediocre movie. score from Marvin Hamlish, sadly, is one of the few irredeemed. And it has one of the great Bond girls of all time. Uh, Barbara Bach is a major, you know, Agent Triple X, Major Amasova. So I, and then of course, Jaws, you know, whether you love him or hate him, you know, he's sort of a classic, iconic Bond henchman. So I feel like Wednesday, it's the middle of the week. Clean the palate. It's it, you know, <laughs> Spy Love Me is the perfect movie, and you, you know you got to get you over Hump Day. Get you over oh. Hump Day. You're swallowing submarines. You got Shane Rimmer in there as a sub captain. Submarine pen set, by the way, is phenomenal. That is a really beautiful set. Well, it's Ken Adam. Yeah, I mean, it's Ken Adam is his best. It's terrific. I mean, you know, when you look at, at, at you know from Doctor No. Um, to Goldfinger, you know, to Doctor Strangelove, to Barry Lyndon, to Spy Love Me. I mean, Ken Ken Adam is. I mean, yeah. the guy was a genius. Well, I would fight you about um, for your eyes only because I, that if I were to nominate a, a more film, that's probably the one that 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 I would put in. I would program on a day. But I love the Spy Who Loved Me. Um, it was the very first Bond film that I saw in the theater. One of the very first films that I saw in the theater. Um, that was the movie that made me equate Roger Moore with James Bond and then later in life wonder who the hell Sean Connery was. Um, you know, I, and I How think... How dare you? I know. I know. <laughs> um, I, my my opinion has evolved in time, but... Um, like Veacher. Right, exactly. Uh, and I want to connect with the creator. Um, <laughs> no, I think there is there is so much about that movie that is just awesome. And it's... And it's kind of a perfectly structured, perfectly paced action movie. Roger Moore is on point. Nobody, he never at any point, um, I feel, mugs at the camera. It's like he's still kind of in that place um, where he is being witty and not just trying to get a laugh in a meta sense. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it really, it created a pattern. Uh, it created a kind of a format for his films mm -hmm. um, in the same way that, uh, that, that Thunderball created a, a format uh, that, of course, then, you know, that sort of became its its own thing. But um, no, I, I love The Spy Who Loved Me. I can't think of any reason at all why it shouldn't be, um, especially Wednesday. It's sort of like the, the linchpin, you know, of, of Bond. It kind of connects so many different things about the various Bond eras. Yeah, I mean, I've come to, to praise Bond, not to bury him. So I don't want to, like, attack <laughs> Fear Eyes Only. But, I mean, I feel like if you really – people always say, oh, that's the one where he gets serious. But if you look at it, it has that awful thing at the end with uh, Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher. Right. And the stuff with the parrot. And there's a lot of goofiness in Fear Eyes Only. Right. You know, including, it's as we mentioned yeah. before, I'll buy you a delicatessen, Mr. Bond. So I think this whole idea – a disco Bond and, and the Bill Conti <laughs> score, which is an abomination. You know, so I feel like – you know, a lot of people say, oh, it gets back to basics. And it, you know, it does to a certain extent. The scene climbing the mountain is great and Topol oh, is terrific. Oh, that is so good, too. That um, is a great And Roger sequence. Moore is really great. I right. think, you know, the, the, uh, the, the argument for, 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 for your eyes only um, is that it is a side of Roger Moore's James Bond that is not normally Except seen. we've seen that side with Sean Connery. And, and and Daniel Craig, who all do that Bond better, right? That's very so. True. Like, let's see no, the Roger does Moore better, doing what Roger those Moore guys. does well, <laughs> um, which is the spy love me. Thursday, Thursday. It's, it's all about you, well, my friend. It's funny because you know I was sitting here thinking I was gonna you know say let's program Thursday with uh, for your eyes only, but I'm gonna 
I'm going to back off from that. I am tempted to say the living daylights just to restart you know that what? fight. I, I might be with you on that. Uh, you know I, I would be okay. with you. So oh here's what I'm going to say. You're killing me, guys. <laughs> there's a, there's a, I have a strong impulse that I would program uh, Daniel Craig's Casino Royale yes. uh, for Thursday because I think it is hands down the, the best Bond film ever made, period. Um, it, is, it is certainly the most complete film, the most tonally complete. Um, and again, like on Her Majesty's Secret Service, it has an awesome ending that you don't see coming that is also perfect and sad and it messes with your head. Um, and Daniel Craig is just... I mean, he owns it. That opening sequence um, where he is chasing the parkour guy, oh. and it's and it's a perfect example of action as character because the parkour guy he's jumping on stuff and he's going back and forth and he's running and he's. Well, You're making of, a great case for why you. should be Casino Royale. And Daniel Craig is he is busting through walls. Mm -hmm. He's like shooting shit. Yeah. He's like dropping. It's just pure brute force, and it just tells you Blunt everything instrument. you need to know. <laughs> And I love that movie. Um, up one side, down the other. Great main title. Um, however, comma, I'm going to say The Living Daylights. And the reason why is because. Bait and switch. Yes. Yeah. Because bait and switch. Um, well, again, I it's another it's, film it, that people haven't seen as much as that's the right. other one. And it's, it's, it's something that um, I, I think if you're – I think that <laughs> – <laughs> that if you love James Bond, right? If you've if you've been introduced to the sort of the James Bond world through Daniel Craig, um, and you sort of vaguely sort of aware that yeah, Pierce Brosnan did a lot of movies that were okay. Um, Not one a of them. Lot. Well, okay, so GoldenEye was good. GoldenEye is good. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other movies happened. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, I think that Dalton is worth your valuable time Absolutely. to watch. Absolutely, he is terrific in the Living Daylights. The only reason why I think the the Living Daylights um, doesn't quite stack up um, as you know as sort of like the big Bond action film is that in the third act it gets small. The Taliban is our friends. Uh, Oh, well, the, there, there if we wanted to do when, that yeah, that analysis know. of like of all the Bond films, it would you know it would get kind of fascinating with like the Cold War politics and all that. It's to me that stuff is is irrelevant. The the stuff that's that's most relevant is him, um, and the fact that I mean again I'm coming to this from a guy who thought that the James Bond universe began with a spy who loved me, and uh, when I saw Timothy Dalton like. Point a gun. Did you know his parents were killed in a climbing accident? Does that change anything? Not you a found thing. out that his parents died. It changed not a thing. But when he points a gun at you, like when he points a gun, I believe it. I mean, there were just moments that just felt like um, this this completely different character who somehow embodied everything that that Roger Moore sort of failed to embody, and it was just I, I find him eminently. Watchable. Well, he, he was he was like a man, you know. Yeah. He was a tough guy. That opening sequence, parachuting into Gibraltar, the mm -hmm. uh, the infiltration sequence that it's turned into this whole—it it was terrific with uh, the Schmirsch uh, coming in. Spirit Spionum, right? Spirit Spionum, yeah. Uh, that stuff yeah. is terrific, and and the Bond girl, um, uh, Mary Diabo, Mary Diabo is terrific. Um, There's I, that. I think it's the uh, it's Living Daylights where there is the fight. In um, inside, I think it's like the MI6 headquarters, uh, and it's no, 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 it's not the headquarters. But there's like this MI6 agent, like in the kitchen. Is it that or octopus? Oh yeah, in the yeah. in the safe house. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like it's great. You know, it's a great fight. And yep. the thing that was great about it was it was telling us Bond oh, isn't in there it. are other there, Bond isn't in it. But that's what's great about it because it's telling us that Bond isn't the only competent right. agent. That this is a, a yeah. real world. 
Exactly. Yeah. It tells us it, it really sets the stakes and the challenge, I think, in a really interesting See, way. See, here's what I think. I, I, look, I don't dismiss Living Daylights because I don't think it's without merit. I do think it has merit. But I also feel like this is a game of chess, not poker, Mr. Spock. And <laughs> if you were going to program Living Daylights on Thursday, that would mean inevitably that Casino Royale is Friday. I think we all agree that Casino Royale should be amongst these films. That means you're not doing any Pierce. You're leaving out True. Goldeneye. So for me, I think you're better off going from Spy Love Me to Goldeneye and then to Casino Royale. Or you do Casino Royale on Thursday, and then you do the 1967 Casino Royale on Friday. No. No. <laughs> no. I think what happens on Friday is that the announcer comes on and says, oh, my God, next week is Bond Week 2. <laughs> because is that what the announcer says? Yes, and he says it exactly like it that. Is, next week oh is also we made a mistake. Oh my god! We licensed we, eight episodes. We have we have so many. The four thirty movie will return in James yeah, Bond week 6:30. two. Because <laughs> I I really think that five is not enough. The world is not enough. You know well, what we should do. This is a special okay. double this episode. Is, I was just going to say. Okay, I, I I I will say instead of a second week, this is what we should do. We make it seven, double oh seven. Okay. And we Saturday and Sunday we, we program. Oh, okay. So okay. I can go it's along now double oh seven, seven for seven, seven okay, for double seven. There you go. And so we will expand from five to seven movies rather than two weeks. Because then we can absolutely have Living Daylights in there. Because then we will do the million dollar be. movie on Saturday and we'll right. do the ABC Sunday night movie. That's right. Uh, uh, the Love Boat in Fantasy Island will not be seen tonight. Right. So we can bring you a very special <laughs> presentation. Well, let me just have one, one other thing about The Living Daylights. It has one of the other all-time great Bond stunts in it uh, uh, when they're fighting on the cargo net hanging yep. out of the back of that uh, Russian yes. transport plane. Mm -hmm. That's a real – that's no CGI. Those are real stuntmen hanging out of the back of a freaking airplane. I, it's tremendous. I, I agree. I, I, You know, look, I find the movie more schizophrenic than you guys do because at the time they were writing it, they didn't know. They originally wrote it for Roger. Then Roger was definitely not coming back. Then they were writing for Pierce. Mm -hmm. And then the Pierce thing went to Hell in a Handbasket over Remington Steel. And then literally uh, Timothy Dalton finished Brenda Starr and two days later was on set – for right. living daylights, um, but, so well, this is good though. I mean, if we're transitioning into into Goldeneye from here, I, I think that it was a good thing because I don't think Pierce is ready to play Bond in 1987. He's he was too, too young. young. Yeah. He's too young. He needed those extra few years to to be season. You need more seasoning. I mean, I think there's a lot of goofy stuff, but then you also have great scenes like where he decides not to kill John Rice Davies, mm -hmm. you know, and because he feels like something is wrong. Um, like I actually think the story for Living Daylights is a great Bond story. I yeah, think the execution yep. is somewhat. Well, the villain's lacking. a little goofy. What's his name? Well, uh, Jerome Crabbe, yeah. who's so great in those Paul Verhoeven movies, like The Fourth Man, yeah. who's not as great in this movie because he's a little over the top. And then you don't have a great villain. Joe Don Baker yeah. is not great as Whitaker. No. So, like to me, there are a lot of failings. But if we're doing seven movies, I can get on the Living Daylights train for Thursday. To Georgia. To Georgia. The midnight train. <laughs> to Georgia. Good. Because Georgia's on my mind. So because Thursday. Because we all love Timothy Dalton. Thursday. Nah. Thursday is the living day. Is the living you know, I don't. Because, look, you know when he lost me? And it, a lot of people, I think, is when he f jumped after that great teaser in Gibraltar. And he, he lands on the boat. Gibraltar. And he, <laughs> Gibraltar. And he, he 
I'm from Brooklyn. And he, he <laughs> lands on the boat, and he, the beautiful woman says, uh, who are you? And he goes, Bond, James Bond. And I know that he wanted to be the more intense, more real. He wanted to distinguish himself from Roger Moore. He didn't want to be the pretty, guy, boy. The pretty boy. And he, he wanted to be true to the books and gritty. But you, that is such an iconic line, you can't throw it away. And I think that forever uh, sort of put this imprintor on him that he was sort of humorless and dour and that, you know, he was just this really, you know, which is Daniel Craig sort of synthesizes the best of Dalton and a little bit of more and a lot of Sean Connery, you know, which makes him such a great bond. Whereas Dalton had a lot of great qualities, but it just didn't quite come through. And uh, but that said, I do agree. Let's go with uh, Living Daylights yeah, for Thursday. As a personal anecdote, I think Dalton is the one James Bond that Darren and I actually saw <laughs> out in the wild. We were in at the, the Sher- <laughs> <On> safari, <laughs> the, the Sherman Oaks ArcLight, one Sunday afternoon yeah. to see a movie. And, and there he was. There he was in the lobby of the ArcLight Theater by himself, looking. My like, wife would have divorced me like and run to him. Looking like a homeless guy. He's wearing, like, oh, shorts and sandals and yeah. by himself, looking kind of disheveled. And, oh like, God. that guy looks familiar. Yeah, my six wait a so minute. Disappointed. That's Timothy Dalton. He's I, in disguise, I, man. You know, it's funny. It's like he's so great in The Rocketeer, and he has so much charm, this Errol Flynn-like charm. And if he only brought some of that to Bond, he could have been a great Bond. I think he's a good Bond. I don't, I, I don't dislike him. Like, I don't dislike any of them. But I, I feel like he was just missing a little of the charisma maybe, maybe if he that got the a other guys more films, had. That maybe would have come out more because you look at Goldfinger, you look at Spy Who Loved Me. These were high points for these actors, yeah. and he didn't um, get enough time. But to don't forget, into the Spy role. Who Loved Me wasn't the first or even the second Roger Moore. Bond well, that's what I'm yet. saying yeah. it, it takes yeah. the third. The, the the you know usually it's the third. Craig came out of the gate with his best one first. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you Pierce know, too, I think. And Pierce, Pierce too. But yeah, they have the best scripts, but, you know, best directors. If you look yeah. at Connery and Moore, even though I agree that Fear Eyes Only uh, uh, from Russia with Love is Connery's best, most people would say it was Goldfinger where he well, really. Well, sure, because that's well, the popular. popular well, Goldfinger was the one that really cemented Solidified what became him. the, the yeah. Bond formula. Yeah. Right. So you yeah. could definitely argue at that point, you know, had Dalton gotten to do that third movie, that that might have been the film. And they were moving in that direction because if you read any of the uh, treatments and, and, and stuff that was being developed, um, for Bond, uh, uh, the, the Bond Twenty, I think it was. Um, it was a little lighter, and it was uh, a little more uh, in the vein of classic Bond, as opposed. To, they're getting away from the faux grittiness of like License to Kill. Why? Why did uh, Dalton not return for a third film? Was well, I mean, without thing? turning this into a you know the history of James Bond episode, yeah. what basically happened was um, you had this litigation going on when uh, Giancarlo Peretti took over MGM and to finance his acquisition of the troubled studio, um, he was basically going to sell off the library at cut rates, um, uh, the Bond TV rights, and a lot, which and the Broccoli's, you know, basically would basically be getting a lot less money than they should have been, what the, the Bond library was worth. So he had to sue United Artists MGM, and it tied up the Bond movies and litigation for a bunch of years. And when this was going on, uh, you know, time went on, and then it finally was resolved when John Kelly came and stuff, and when they were ramping up to do Bond again, there was a lot of feeling that Bond was over after License to Kill, that this was, uh, you know, passe. I mean, what was working was Lethal Weapon and Die Hard, and, you know, so was Bond License even to Kill was 89. Relevant, right? yeah. yeah. And, 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 and what happened was basically UA told the Broccoli's, yeah, we'll make another Bond movie, 
but not with Timothy Dalton. Mm -hmm. So they concocted this whole thing where Dalton said that he was stepping down and wasn't going to do it anymore. They had a good run. But the real story is that uh, United Artists uh, basically put the kibosh on on Dalton and wanted to recast and they wanted Pierce. Mm -hmm. Well, a a lot of things changed. I mean, and maybe that's the the segue to those years. But, um, you know, the Living Daylights, License to Kill, the, the Dalton films were really the last films that were done in what I consider to be uh, the the system, the James Bond system. Right. You know, it wasn't sort of the same group of directors and like the same like group of writers who, you know, kind of came up with the yeah. stories and kind of cranked them out. Um, and sometimes they were great and sometimes they were whatever. But like but there was always sort of a, a workmanlike quality to them with a very few exceptions. And I think um, – when uh, when Goldeneye happened, they didn't just recast Bond. They, they kind of they recast the, the whole entire franchise. Because yeah. Maybaum yeah. was gone, John right. Glenn was gone. Yep. All, almost all the and 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 unfortunately, Cubby Broccoli was very ill, and so he that was the last movie that he was physically involved with, and barely that because. Um, he, you know, even with License to Kill, he had a tough time in, uh, spending time in Mexico. So, but by the time you get to Goldeneye, it really is Barbara and Michael's franchise completely. Although Cubby was still alive and was involved in some of the early decisions, right? But it was definitely the next generation. Mm-hmm. Much as classic Star Trek evolved the next gen, this was sort of the next gen of Bond. I mean, right. I'm, I'm being facetious, but I'm not. It's basically, you know, the next generation and. Um, what they did would set the tone for what would be the next 25 years of Bond movies. Which brings us to Friday. Right. Right, Friday. which brings us to Friday because we, we, we just said Living Daylights for Thursday. So Friday, I think it has to be Goldeneye. I think it yeah. absolutely has to be Goldeneye. I mean, and uh, it's a, a worthy choice. It's mm-hmm. a terrific entry, I think, in the Bond. Uh, it starred uh, Pierce Brosnan, of course, as someone that I think a lot of fans wanted to see him in that role and <laughs> saw him in that role for years. Mm-hmm. Um and he was finally getting, you know, he famously was not able to take the role in 1987 uh, due to his contractual obligations to Remington Steele. Uh, he's finally able to come on in 94 for uh, Goldeneye. Sean Bean Sean was Bean terrific. As another double O agent. Right. Again, it's the idea of expanding our notion of what MI6 is the, in the Bond universe. And the, there were some the, great, the, the Bond cinematic universe. <laughs> there were some great set pieces directed oh. by Martin Campbell, who later gave us uh, Casino Royale. A very um, underrated director, by the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. and by the way, um, lovely human being. Um, and, you know, the, the, that movie, I, I think here's what surprised me. I expected Pierce Brosnan to kind of go back to, um, to what Roger Moore had been doing. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people expected that. And he brought a gravity to it. Um, that impressed me. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if anything made the, the movies that followed, which weren't that great, uh, work, it was it was his presence. It was his gravity. I, I don't think that he that he is the actor um, that, you know, Timothy Dalton is or certainly that a Daniel Craig is. Um, I don't think that ever, anybody would ever confuse him with Sean Connery or, or Roger Moore. But um, but he did a he did a great job in the role, and he made it relevant again. And that story again tried to get you know into that inner life of Bond, um, and kind of break down what does it mean to to be Bond, but in a retrospective way, which is really fascinating if you compare it to Casino Royale, which was about what does it mean to be Bond, but in a way that was looking forward about becoming Bond. Um, so they're kind of fascinating bookends, and and Martin Campbell is responsible for for both of them and relaunching the franchise mm-hmm. twice yeah. right only real ding is the score 
Yeah. Well, I was I yeah. was gonna say, and and I, I I would argue to me, Goldeneye is a very good movie. It's not a great movie. I think Martin Campbell did a yeoman's job. I think it's a great reinvention after License to Kill, which is just an awful movie. Um, but it's think, a great video game. It is. <laughs> I really like. I really you know I really like Pierce in the role. I think he, throughout his tenure, he was underserved by his scripts. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the biggest problems with Goldeneye, sadly, is that awful, awful score yeah, Eric Sarah. by Eric Sarah, oh. and that, that really undercuts it at every turn. And, and, and really, you know, it shows you the power of a score to help or hurt a movie. And in this case, it just cripples that movie. Unless you're a fan of uh, mufflers being hit in an alley. <laughs> I mean, well, you this know, is what happens. When you... I, I thought after you know Michelle Legrand did the score for Never Say Never Again, no Bond producer would be foolish enough uh, to make such a you know a, a horrible mistake again. And I think that in their attempt to reinvent Bond for a new generation, yeah, they figured, oh, you know, Leon, uh, the professional, you know, this is hip. And and you know, look, everyone involved with that picture has pretty much said, had they had more time when the score was delivered. Uh, they would have brought a new composer. And they, I mean, look, they rescored the tank chase with the John Altman, his orchestrator. Um, and that, that's a wonderful sequence because oh, it yeah. actually uses the Bond theme. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, they they would have brought they would have rescored the movie. Uh, it's such a great sequence with uh, you see Pierce Brosnan sticking up out of that tank, His like joy. screeching around corners and running over cars. I mean, you see so Pierce awesome. in that, not Bond. You see Pierce how yeah. happy he is to be playing yeah. James Bond, and it's a beautiful <laughs> thing because you you feel that joy yeah. and, and and you you're happy for him, and the whole sequence is wonderful. And there's just so much. Isabella Skorupko, you know, there's always mm-hmm. a lip service paid to. Oh, this is going to be an empowered female uh, Bond girl. She's not the usual Bond girl. Well, you know, she's not the usual Bond girl. She's yeah. good. She's great. And, and uh, oh, gosh, what's her name? Famke Jansen. Famke Jansen. Yeah. Fantastic as the yeah. villain. Yeah. I mean, she is Fatima Blush from Never Say Never Again. But, you know. <laughs> she plays that role with such but she's relish. Great. Yeah. She's yeah, so yeah, much yeah. fun in that part. Uh, that sort of seduction slash fight scene that they have is terrific, very entertaining. And if you didn't get enough of Joe Don Baker in uh, Living Daylights, he's back as a new character, which is something that the Bond movies did, much to my consternation, where they would bring back actors in different roles. Mm-hmm. You know, now they never do that because everything's a cinematic universe. You know, but it, I hated you know the recasting of Philip Felix Leiter in every movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I hated the fact when actors would come back in other like Charles Gray who plays Henderson and you only live twice and now he's Blofeld and right. Diamonds Are Forever <laughs> I hate that <laughs> um, so Goldeneye right. so Friday's Goldeneye Friday's Goldeneye we have two more slots because we expanded to Saturday and Sunday well you gotta round out Saturday with Casino Royale absolutely. absolutely which is I think I agree with Ashley it may be the best film of all of the Bond films it's just really smart, sophisticated. Everything comes together in it. Well, it shows you they could make them like they used to. Yes. Yeah. It has that great the, – the scene on the train oh, with I Daniel Craig that. and Ava Green is just mm-hmm. – it is. it would be an amazing scene in any film. I mean, to me, like, that's the kind of – that's the kind of scene that makes you go, oh, okay, that – that person is actually worthy of, of winning an Academy Award because it is it is just that good. Like the, it's it just crackles. Skewered. Yeah. It, it and it's an homage to North by Northwest. So it's going back to the roots. You know, it's Cary Grant, even Marie Saint, that scene. Mm-hmm. And so it's going back to the roots of the inspiration for the Bond movies. And I, I love that. And I love that scene. That's probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. 
And uh, there's just so much like, and it's weird because that movie shouldn't work because it's almost like three different movies. You know, you have that brilliant teaser sequence with the mm -hmm. parkour. Then you have the casino stuff, which goes on endlessly, which should be boring as hell. It's a bunch of people in the casino and they made it from Baccarat and the Texas Hold'em for the idiots so they would understand well, what was going on. It still works. The best Baccarat player in the service is like being the best lottery player in the service. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you end up in the, the Venice stuff, which is like another movie. Oh, right. And yet it all holds together and it's so great and the third act works with the crumbling building event all miniatures too mm -hmm. and it's great miniature work and you compare that to miniature work in Goldeneye which is Derek Manning's last film and it shows I mean it's not good I mean and 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 the stuff in in, in this is fantastic and the best closing line which is yeah, just Bond, is James Bond. Right. No, it's Bond, James oh, yeah, Bond. Yeah, yeah. When he like he kills like uh, what's his name and uh, actually he doesn't kill him because he Shoots captures him. him. He's we back know in the next shit. movie, right? But Bond, James Bond, which is also mm -hmm. the first time in the film that we hear the James Bond theme. Right. Yeah, which yeah. Is and David Arnold brilliant. we haven't talked about, yeah. who uh, is really another hero because even in the the low points of the Pierce era, like Tomorrow Never Dies, those scores by David Arnold are great, and they're a great homage to John Barry. Now, here's my question for Sunday to end this. Um, Casino Royale is Saturday. Yeah. Now, there are a couple ways to go with Sunday. The question is, do we go right into Quantum of Solace? Arguably not a great no. Bond movie, but it is the epilogue to Casino Royale. No, and that movie no. works best when you no, watch it right the, after you, Casino you Royale. Can't, you can't end Bond week with a whimper. No. Okay. I think you have to end it with the biggest one, which is Goldfinger. Goldfinger. What you an interesting what? point. I yeah. was going to say never say never again, but I think you're right. Yep, I agree. I think it it is the most, when you when you hear James Bond, Bond, you think of Goldfinger. I mean, I, I think a lot of people do. Yeah. And I think you can't have a Bond week without it. Well, like we said earlier, that's the film that really crystallized what became the Bond formula. Mm -hmm. Popular had an amazing theme song that's super memorable. You have a villain who is iconic. Bigger and, than and, life. And has one of them, probably the second most quoted line mm -hmm. in any James Bond film after Bond, James Bond. Of it's, course you know, yeah. No, Mr. Bond, Bond, I expect, I expect you, you to die. die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a great Although, I, you know what scheme. my other favorite is? I own the club. Ooh, I'm gonna, when he says, I'm going to you know, talk to the club manager. Right. You know, did he have anything to say after he, you know, uh, odd job uh, skewers the uh, mm. the statue? And he says, "I own the club, Mr. Mm. Bond." But uh, and then, of course, it has the worst line in any of the Bond movies too. It's like listening to the Beatles without wearing earmuffs. Oh, oh yeah. that's funny. You know, yeah, which yeah. is is it may be the worst line in the history of the Bond movies, even ahead <laughs> of, uh, you know, uh, you know, some of those clunkers and well, well it's not enough with Denise Richards. My worst one is, and if that's his original ball, I'm Arnold Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what's more exciting than watching James Bond play golf? <laughs> and yet it's great, yeah. right? I mean, that's a scene that shouldn't work, right? Yeah. It's fucking great. And when they switch the balls, mm -hmm. an odd job. Aha. Ah, ah. <laughs> but uh, you got to love a movie where it has does that great switch up in the third act where you know, like, Auric Goldfinger is obsessed with gold. I love gold. <laughs> and you, like think, you think that he's going to rob it, all yeah. of the gold out of Fort Knox. Oh, which because, is, of course. Which is what happens in the book. Yeah. Yeah, but they switch it up. It's like, no, he's going to irradiate it, <laughs> rendering it so poisonous yeah. and useless. Even the attention to detail when they went back and shot that insert shot where he stops the bomb and it's mm -hmm. 007 because it doesn't even match mm -hmm. the master mm -hmm. because they came up with it later and then they mm -hmm. shot right. the insert. It's just so clever. Yeah. And the John Barry score, oh. fucking amazing. 
Ding! Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's so great. And it's funny because I, I was like thinking Sunday, do we do Never Say Never Again? Do we do Casino Royale 67? No. Do we no. do um, do we do we um, Austin Powers? You know, and it's like, mm. of course, it's got to be Goldfinger. It's got to be. I mean, my other choice, I mean, I, I agree it's got to be Goldfinger, but I'm also a big fan of You Only Live Twice, which is a film that also solidifies the Bond, exemplifies the Bond formula in, in that it's taking its first steps wading into the pool of absurdity. It's starting to get yes. silly at that point, but Which, it's still got some really great stuff. Oh, I, lo- it. I love it too. And I, I love the I, theme I agree. song. Uh, I love that beautiful volcano lair set. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's You know, another fantastic. Bond movie I love that a lot of other people don't love, but I, I like you, I don't feel it's right for this week, is Thunderball. A lot of people yeah. don't like it because the, the third act underwater is so slow and lethargic, but it has some of my favorite scenes in any Bond movie, mm-hmm. and it really, even more than Goldfinger, sort of defined the template for a Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like You Only Live Twice, it, you know, it has all these great iconic moments, but I just it doesn't feel... I think what Darren said with yeah. Goldfinger is the right way to, to end the, 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 the week. Yeah, and Goldfinger also feels like a complete film. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just... You're right. When we think about James Bond, uh, all of those like sort of the classic elements from the the template that is James Bond. That's they all came from that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I think uh, I can't imagine a better way to end uh, uh, Seven Days of 007 on the 4:30 movie. Uh, We cheated a little this week, but that's okay because uh, because we make it all up. We make it up. (laughs) (laughs) And remember, please, no wagering. You know, it's it's your you know, and 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 you can recreate this at home, and I ho- I hope you will. Um, we'll be uh, back next week with an all new episode of the Four Thirty Movie, and if you want to continue the conversation, you can reach Steve Melching how uh, on Twitter uh, at at Stephen Melching, Darren Darren Dockerman, on Twitter at Darren Doc with one R, Ashley Miller, on Twitter at Ash Master Zero. And uh, I'm Mark at Mark A. Altman on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, my new book, So Say We All, An Oral History of Battlestar Galactica, is available wherever books are sold. I'll also be at New York Comic Con on October 4th and 5th, where I'll be hosting panels at New York Comic Con Presents on Battlestar Galactica and a masterclass with uh, genius uh, writer-producer, showrunner-creator Ronald D. Moore. Tickets are available now. Uh, and uh, on behalf of Steve, Darren, Ashley... Um, James Bond, M, Pussy Galore, and myself. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for the 430 Movie. We'll see you next week for an all-new theme week here on the 430 Movie. Thanks for joining us for a special encore presentation of the 430 Movie. We'll be back with all new episodes this spring for Season 2. Meanwhile, you can follow our other podcasts in Glorious Trexperts, the ultimate podcast for Star Trek fans with a life wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, join Chase Masterson if you're a Star Trek Discovery fan for Disco Nights on Sundays every week. And if you're a fan of unmade movies, films that were developed but never saw the light of a projector bulb, you don't want to miss Steven Scarlatta and Josh Miller hosting Best Movies Never Made, which is available on Mondays wherever you listen to podcasts. These are all great shows worthy of your attention. So while you're jonesing for more episodes of the 430 Movie, I hope you'll check out some of our other podcasts on the Electric Surge Network. Meanwhile... Special thanks to our engineer, Bill Ritter, who makes it all possible, our producers, Natalie Mascali and Cynthia Hodge, and, of course, Dean Devlin, who makes it all possible here at the Electric Surge Network. Thank you, and we're looking forward to being back live with you in the spring with all new theme weeks here on the 430 Movie. Eyewitness News starts now. 
This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.